Welcome to another episode of the News for Jags podcast. I'm Jamal Saints here alongside Justin Barney as we, uh, I guess, catch up on another Jaguars loss. Uh, the one to the Falcons actually went down to the very end. It didn't look good early. Uh, Cordero Patterson running all over the team, but at the end of the day, it's still, I guess, an, another loss, Justin. Uh, this is another one where it did come down to the end and Trevor and the offense just couldn't make the plays where they needed to. It's kind of the recurring theme, isn't it? And we've talked about this often. I mean, you've beaten the um, LaVisca Chenault, Cordero Patterson drum, and we saw what a well-executed offense with a running back like that could look like or with kind of a gadget factor could look like. Uh, Cordero ran strong last week, had a couple touchdowns. Um, Be nice if we could get LaVisca to do something similar to that in this offense. And uh, I think it would just add a wrinkle. We know it's not coming with the passing game anytime this year. Um, And I think that would be one way to do that. I think another um, really kind of a deceptive win. We're still waiting to see Trevor Lawrence with that late game tying drive, game leading drive where he marches them down the field. And, um, you know, we saw it against Miami and London, but uh, he's had a couple of chances since then against Colts, against the Falcons, and it has not materialized. So uh, when are we going to see that big bona fide step up drive and um, have receivers running the wrong routes, dropping passes on, uh, a uh, huge drive at the end like we saw last week. And I don't know if they're going to see uh, uh, a game-winning potential drive this week. I think uh, they've got their hands full. Uh, Big-time battle against the Rams, and I don't think um, this game is going to go their way either. No, it's it's not looking good. The Rams have been uh, struggling the past few weeks, but this seems like the classic get-right game uh, <laughs> for them. And, you know, that, that I think that'll be the testament for – uh, when we can finally get uh, say that the, the team is turned in the right direction is when they are no longer everyone's get right game. Um, you know, when teams come in and uh, facing the Jaguars and they don't just say, uh, you know, kind of, all right, well, we'll get back on the right track on this one. Uh, this week, a, a lot of talk about Urban Meyer and that Notre Dame job, uh, Urban Meyer shooting it down. But I mean, at some point, uh, you know, some Jaguars fans are were hoping that he would take the job. I think that was wishful thinking on their part. Um, but, you know, we, we got to stop connecting this guy to every single college opening just because it's a big time job. I think he's made it pretty clear he's not looking to go back to the college ranks. Yeah, I think so. And, yeah, I think it would have been more believable earlier in the season. If you notice Urban in pressers and after games, he's not seen as downtrodden as he was, was those first couple weeks. So I think he's learned to kind of um, navigate these ups and downs and I don't know who's gotten his ear and really kind of stressed that this is a marathon, not a sprint, that cliche. And uh, I think you've really seen that with Urban. You know, had he carried on more like he was after those first couple games where he was just devastated, uh, beaten down emotionally, and you saw that on his face, in his words, um, it would be a little bit more believable at this point to see him making a Notre Dame move or USC, Oklahoma, something like that. But I think he truly wants to, to get things right here or at least give it his best shot. Um, and I think we've seen that a little bit um, more as the season has gone on. He's been a little bit more positive, trying to find those positives and, uh, you know, those bright spots, even though this has been a horrifically down season. Um, but I do think he's uh, I think he's in it for at least a couple of years. Um, and I, I do think, uh, you know, less and less if these big jobs come open, we'll hear him connected to that. Yeah. After the Notre job, he kind of scuttled that conversation and, and stuff. So I think Urban is here for at least the uh, immediate short term. A couple of years. I know that's probably not what fans want to hear, but um, I do think he's uh, he's here for a little bit of time. Yeah, he's not going back to college. He's talked at length enough about not wanting to recruit. 
And, you know, especially with the transfer portal now and a job like Notre Dame, he talked about it back when he was in Florida. I think I pulled a, a quote from him earlier this year or, or earlier this week where he basically said, you know, at Notre Dame, you recruit San Diego as hard as you recruit New York. So you're constantly on this jet and at his age and, you know, being sick of recruiting as it is, he doesn't want to be flying all over the country to go sit in kids living rooms. Um, so, you know, he, he's at the NFL level. He is going to be with the Jaguars. Um, whether fans like it or not, he'll be here for a little little while. Now, the hope is that the reason that we've seen, I guess, some of the less the, the less emotional toll from these losses is that he's realized some of his mistakes and also realized that you can't really fix them in season. At this point, you kind of got to ride out the ship that you got and you get to to the off season and then you get another shake at it of, of fixing things then because right now you got what you got and there's really yeah. that much you can do with it. Uh, this I mean, is, it's not like a college where you've got 90 players on the roster, a five-star who's red shirting and who's got potential and you can yank him, uh, burn his red shirt, you know, eight games into the season and say, Hey, let's a, a try. You've got 53 guys on your roster. You've got practice squad guys who aren't quite there yet. So um, it's, it's a different beast. And I think he's found that out. And I know he could say all he wants and he knew about it. He knew the, the challenges he waited out. Uh, but until you're going through the fire um, and you know, you, you've got double the roster size in college and guys you've recruited who just aren't ready yet. And, you know, you could go to the well in a sense, if you're uh, in college and you're urban Meyer, you don't have that luxury this year. Trent Baalke didn't do a good job of, of furnishing Meyer um, and the franchise with these big time, guys and adding some depth and I know injuries happen but uh, I think we we beat the drum pretty hard on on the free agency and, and what they did and just didn't mind uh, the free agency guys they didn't do the drafting as well as possible um, so I do think it's um, you know a little bit of a realization by Meyer that it's it's uh, it's going to take some time it's far different than college you don't have those uh, aces in your back pocket where you can just pull them out a la a four or five star recruit, um, you know, who, who may be putting in his practice time and uh, could step up and offer some some help on game days. And I think that's a uh, that's a painful realization for Urban that this is a year to year thing. You're not going to be able to bolster your roster uh, at least until probably early next year. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to the interesting thing. And uh, I think that the thing a lot of fans are waiting for and when they'll start really paying attention and locking in for coverage. Like, I think there are a lot of fans that are paying attention on game day, but many of them are waiting to see how this offseason immediately plays out. Are there any major changes to the coaching staff, which I do think we'll see some, uh, do see a shakeup. Does Trent Bulky come back? That's one that that interests me a lot is just how much of the blame for this year falls on his head for the roster he put together? Or do they keep Trent and Urban together for another year saying, okay, Urban, you're, you were always destined to lead this ship and we won't be able to really attract a, another general manager if you're going to be the captain and he's just your co-captain. So, you know, keep Trent to manage the contracts and you tell us who you want to get to run this roster. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out. Um, and I think that's when, a lot of interest peaks. I mean, the off season obviously is when, you know, hope is abundant and every, every team thinks that they have a shot at the playoffs and a, a shot at a Super Bowl, and things sound great, but we've got a long way to go to get there. But I, there, there's some changes that are coming to this roster, especially that offensive staff. There's no way the offensive staff stays together after this season. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't think you can uh, realistically come back to Shad Khan and the fan base and say, hey, we're bringing back Sanjay Law. Hey, we're bringing back Daryl Bubble. I think there needs to be some changes. Um, again, this is about Trevor and having him take the next step. And you know, we're 11 games into the season and still can't put a complete offensive product out on the field. Um, and it's, it's disappointing. And I know some of that is personnel, uh, but I think a lot of that is also scheme. And, um, you know, it's, it's disappointing, but I do think Trevor's going to probably be playing under new offensive staff next year. Um, and whatever the, that's, that's what happens to bad teams. You don't have a chance to grow and, and make strides and stuff until you're resetting again. We saw this with Blaine Gabbert. We saw it with Blake Bortles. It's just been uh, kind of a time-honored tradition of uh, in Jacksonville of having those struggles on offense and uh, continuously retooling and rebuilding. And I don't know if uh, Trent Baalke stays around for another year. That could be another one that's, uh, you know, with the roster this year. I mean, Dave Caldwell got how many years when, when he kept turning out bad rosters? So um, Shot has shown he's patient. But, you know, this is going to be his ninth season with double-digit losses or more unless the Jaguars can uh, miraculously run the table, which it, it's not, not happening. Right. So Chad's going to want some changes. I think he um, was too patient in his first, you know, spell with uh, Doug Marone and Gus Bradley and Dave Caldwell. So I do think uh, changes are coming after this season. And um, I, I do think Irvin will be back there for you too. I really wish that – Urban would have gone a different route with that offensive coordinator gig because especially with Darrell Bevel right now, we're, we're seeing a lot of the complaints that fans had of him in Seattle and in Detroit, and they've carried on here to Jacksonville. And I know Urban said, Oh, well, Bevel played such a big role with developing Russell Wilson. And that's great. He did play a large role in developing Russell Wilson, but they also got him out of there after <laughs> you know, for a reason right after that. I mean, this is also the guy that wouldn't hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the one-yard line for the conversation. Uh, but then we saw him go to Detroit where their offense did have some big plays, but we also saw it was a an offense that didn't necessarily utilize their playmakers the best. People were questioning play calling then. I wish he would have gone more of the route he went with the Joe Cullen, found a guy who hadn't necessarily had an opportunity to be a coordinator yet for one reason or another and given them the opportunity to come in and grow and earn and learn with his young quarterback and instill something, something there. Um, I don't have a guy off the top of my head that it could have been, but I mean, shucks, I guess you could have said even maybe a Keenan McCardell, something like that, but maybe, a, maybe a former quarterback that was out there or something or a former quarterback coach that gets elevated rather than bringing in these, I guess, NFL tested guys that for one reason or another teams weren't exactly beating down their door to get them on their staff. You know, I mean, Daryl Bevel came from an, from coaching an offense that literally it just got cleaned out because the lions were losing. So how much was he really elevating that roster? I mean, Matthew Stafford, we've seen what he's doing in LA now who the Jaguars get to see up close and personal this week. I mean, he was putting up similar numbers there in Detroit, but so clearly it wasn't that Daryl Bevel was just elevating this guy's play or helping him become that much of a better player. Uh, I think he, I think he could have gone a different route there and found somebody, some up and coming candidate, a creative mind that would have had some of those more RPO things that Urban keeps talking about wanting to incorporate in the offense and been more adaptive to that because like you said it's 11 weeks into the season and after last week's game somebody asked asked urban why 
why it's taken so long to, to build the offense. And he said, you know what? That's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. And it's because I, it, at that point, when it's taken this long and you're still saying we're trying to get the perfect offense around our quarterback, that's coaching. That, that's your offense yeah. coaching staff. That's true. And, you know, 11, game, we're 11 games into the season. This isn't, you know, trotting, uh, you know, 12 men out on the field on back-to-back plays in, in week six. I mean, this is – we're well over halfway through the season, and you're still struggling with the basics. And it really honestly still looks like you're trying to figure out what type of offense you want to be. Are you a power running team? Are you – I know, and I know you have to tailor things to, to injuries and such, but are you an RPO team? Are you trying to do the best for Trevor? Are you a, truly a run-first team? And to me, it looks like they've, they've not been – they've waffled on, on being all in on James Robinson. Um, I don't know if the coaching staff is just not a big fan of James Robinson. I, I, I don't know. Like how, how could they be waffled. a big fan of J-Rob and you draft Travis Etienne with the first-round pick? You can't. Yeah. So, and he, James, has obviously been your best, most consistent offensive guy, and it still looks like you're trying to do everything away from that to get get around from making James your offensive guy. And in the process, uh, you're stunning Trevor's growth because you're asking him to to carry a team which is deficient on talent. Uh, you don't know what you want to be offensively. You you, are, you say you want to be a running team, but you're giving James Robinson. 10 carries a game you can't do that you cannot do that and um and and I think that just goes back to coaching and and I think it goes back to to not having enough talent on the field to run what they want to run and you're trying to in the process um you know patchwork here and and nickel and dime there and you still don't know 11 games into the season what you want to be because you don't have the personnel to to be either a power running team that you stress that you want to be and take the pressure off your rookie quarterback. But then you're asking Trevor to throw the ball 45 and 50 times a game um, because you, you're not trusting that running game. So it's, it's just a, it's a maddening um, experiment in how not to run. It just seems they're not committed to, to any which way on offense. And that's um, I really think it's, it's reflected weekly in what we're seeing on the field is just the, the indecisiveness on, are we going to be an RPO centric team with Trevor running to his strengths what he did in college or are we going to be a uh, power running team with James Robinson getting the ball 25 32 times a game um, and they just don't know it's waffling it's back and forth and you know Urban has said this week that he thought we'd be a little bit cleaner on offense right now well I mean it's tough to say you want to be cleaner when you don't really know what you are yeah yeah I mean at some point you have to have an identity on third and one people that watch generally speaking on like third and one if you've watched this team and watched them since training camp, watched every snap, you should know, okay, on third and one, this is the play that this is probably their go-to play. Right now, they don't have that go-to play. They don't have anything that they can lean on. They don't say, okay, well, we know they're going to go to the left side behind Norwell and Cam. We don't because they don't, they don't lean there. there there's, no, there's no when we need it play that you can say, okay, this team does this well. And – you can say, well, either, I mean, that's a mixture of coaching staff and talent, because at the end of the day, regardless of if you say, well, we don't have any, you know, all pro talented players necessarily along the offense to just pick from, but the coaching staff has to look at the table, say, okay, this is what we got. And this is what we're going to lean on. If this is our guy's strength. I mean, if you, if you make me pick and I say, I need one yard, I mean, James Robinson's your best offensive player, your two best offensive linemen, at run blocking Cam Robinson, Andrew Norwell. You go to the left side. Yet yeah, th- that should be it. 
We've seen them multiple times in that situation. That's why I'm saying like one yard to go and you have to make a choice. There, there shouldn't be that big of a debate. It's either we're going to go here and we're going to, this is, these are our three best players. We're going to go in a triangle and boom, right behind them. Or we're going to put the ball in our quarterback's hands. But you do that when he's one of your best players. If he's your and, best. and I think that there's that debate on, I think that the media, the fan base values James Robinson far more than the coaching staff. And, they want a running back that has speed to pop a, a 60 yard touchdown. That's not who James Robinson is. They want Travis Etienne to be that guy. And they have shown one time or another, when you ask them about the lack of speed on the offense, that the hill they're willing to die on is that if Travis Etienne was healthy, he would have made all the difference in the world. And the question that I keep asking is what type of rookie season did you expect this dude to walk in and have? Like I, if he, if you told me he had 500 yards rushing and 500 yards receiving, that's a thousand yards from scrimmage. That's a hell of a rookie year. I mean, that that's a pretty high bar. Like, but that thousand yards isn't reworking this offense completely from scratch. Like, I'm not saying that Travis Etienne couldn't be a good player, but he's not. I don't know who this coaching staff thinks this dude is. If he, they think he's the reincarnation of Marshall Falk, or or. Alvin Kamara or what's going on. But I mean, even those guys as a rookie, they weren't walking in and doing that. Yeah. The hill they're willing to die on is like, this was the factor that was going to change our offense. And one dude's not going to do that, but that's what they want at running back. I mean, James Robinson, it would be a perfect running back for a lot of teams, but for whatever reason, this coaching staff, and I understand it, you know, big plays are a part of the NFL and something that the Jaguars do not have. So I get it. If you can get a, a big play guy and you give him the ball 20 times a game, the thought is that he'll break some 20 yard runs. And James Robinson just doesn't necessarily have that speed. He's an efficient player and you use him to set up your big plays for other guys. Well, that's not their ideal. So no, they're probably, they're not high on James Robinson. They're not. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point, I mean, I, I don't think they could do it after the seat after this year. I just don't think so. But, I mean, if at some point in the next two to three years, if Jay Robinson got traded or they just lowballed him on his contract renewal or whatever, it, this front off, it would not surprise me because they, they've shown they want that speed, big play guy, and that's not who James Robinson is. And because of it, they refuse to just lean on him the way they need to. Yeah, and that's true. And I think you've seen that. I think you've seen that even in – uh, you know, the week one game, I mean, where you just completely forget that he's there. And that I think that goes back to coaching, um, not deviating from your game plan. And um, this offense, this staff has shown it deviates from its game plan on a week to week basis. It has no stability. You know, and I think some of that is, is getting behind early uh, in some big deficits. But I think a lot of it is they just don't. James Robinson's not their guy. Um, they want to be they're, they're built for a speed team. Urban has said it time and again, the the Percy Harvin kind of quickness, the, the scat back, that excitement, the, the guy who can catch passes and line up in the backfield, a la Cordero Patterson, and you want some of that, that speed. And James Robinson is not that speed kind of guy. He, they didn't draft him. They didn't bring him in. Um, so I think he's a, I think he's kind of a placeholder um, until they get Travis Etienne back or draft somebody next year in the second or third round, uh, another speed back kind of guy. So um, I, I just I, I go back to the waffling. What kind of offense are you? What do you want to be? You're not helping Trevor right now. Um, and to me, 
I think with going into this Rams game, it will be interesting to see if we see any more of that RPO incorporated into the offense. You know, Urban has mentioned they were highly successful last week when they chose to run it. That's what Trevor ran in, in college. And you, you kind of go with that going forward. You don't want to get Trevor hurt, and that's a, a, a chance to get your guy hurt if you're, you're upping that ante a little bit more. But, um, you know, you tell Trevor to get down quicker if he sees a guy coming, whatever the case may be. I think there's, they could be successful running that. Um, I don't know how realistic that is in the NFL, but uh, to, to maybe expand on what they did last week, because they did have some success doing that. I think that's natural for Trevor. I think running that at Clemson, he showed how effective he can be. Um, and I think it helps cover up for, for some of those deficiencies in the Jaguars offense. I mean, the RPO definitely can be successful. The, the thing that concerns me is that they seem to think that it can be this offensive factor that they can lean on and build around and Trevor just isn't that kind of athlete I mean he has straight line speed sure but if you look at the teams that run the most RPOs in the league I mean you start talking about your Baltimore's you start talking about your Seattle's where you have Russell Wilson you have uh, Kansas City runs a bunch with Pat Mahomes I mean you're talking about teams with quarterbacks that that use that ability and make guys miss. Trevor can make a guy miss, but he's very much like a straight line kind of athlete. I mean, I don't want them running the RPO as nearly as much as like a Baltimore. I mean, even Seattle and Kansas City mix it in to use their guys' athleticism. But if you start making that the linchpin of your offense, all teams are going to do is leave a guy back there to spy on Trevor and he's going to start taking hits. Yeah, and he's not a Lamar Jackson kind of guy. You know, he's not that kind of athlete and you know I I think that's going to always be Lamar's hang up as a passer is uh, he's too gimmicky he's too um, you know with his feet he struggles when uh, he has to pass or Baltimore has to pass so I don't can totally marry that to the Jaguars offense I don't think they can be a Ravens type of team and I don't think Trevor's a kind of quarterback like a Lamar Jackson I mean I think Trevor's a, a serious passer uh, but he has that straight line speed and he can't open things up with his feet. And um, I think you've been a little, especially earlier in the season, a little bit too cautious with Trevor. I mean, I, I do think those first probably five weeks of the season, we saw very little of him using his feet at all. I mean, like they were terrified. Yeah. Terrified of him. And, and I've seen you, the, the raps have gradually come off of that, which has been nice because I think you need that. I think not having that at all, you know, not running Trevor on a quarterback sneak, um in the the Bengals game I mean I think you're being way way too conservative conservative at that point but I do think we've seen the wraps come off a little bit and um I don't think we're going to ever want to see Trevor being a a Lamar Jackson kind of guy but I do think we need to see him running that ball a little bit more um kind of like we did last week saw him uh you know take off on some RPOs designed RPOs uh, quite a few times but build up to that he's comfortable in running that I think it's just I don't know if they were just too scared to truly unleash Trevor early on in the season and babied him a little bit, but he's not, um, Trevor's not the fault for the offense and why the struggles are there. But um, I do think you need to let Trevor be Trevor a little bit more. They know what CJ Beathard is and knew that. (laughs) Like I know there were a lot of fans that were impressed with CJ from the preseason and a couple of routes that he threw when Trevor went down. I talked to some of the 49ers folks on the radio right before the Jags played the 49ers 
and they were asked, they asked me, they said, are some fans starting to ask for CJ Beathard? And I said, yeah, they are. And, and the guy responded back. He said, we've seen him for years. You need to tell them you don't want him on the field. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think they knew to some extent that if Trevor went down, so did the season. And I think they, they held that a little too closely and played it a little too close to the vest at times. Uh, probably should have played a little bit more during the preseason too, just to get him some of those early reps. But, you know, you're going to have to run some of those RPO things. The thing is you have to have like a healthy balance because if you start trying to run it too heavily, then he's going to start taking more and more hits because it's just not going to be there. Um, but he has the ability to be that big time passer. They just have to find a way to get him some help. I mean, the guy who's been one of his most consistent threats, Dan Arnold, Dan Arnold hurt the same game that James O'Shaughnessy comes back. So it was like almost a trade-off. It was like, all right, well, Dan Arnold's been your tight end. Here comes James O'Shaughnessy. We'll, you, maybe we'll have two, some two tight end sets. They actually ran a few two tight end sets. And then Dan Arnold caught his first pass of the day, and he, he's done for the year now. So now it's going to be the James O'Shaughnessy show at tight end, and we'll see if Trevor and uh, James O can get on the same page and what that'll mean for the offense. I guess let's move forward to this Rams game. This is a uh, Jalen Ramsey revenge game, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> It's not uh, – I don't think it's going to go well for Jacksonville. You're playing on the West Coast, which you're 3-14 you're and 14 out there, um, which is, is terrible. We saw what happened on the West Coast earlier coming off a bye week and a win, uh, 31-7 against the Seahawks. Um, and this Rams team far more dangerous than that. Um, you know, and people will point out to what Jacksonville did against the Bills, um, but this is – I think this is a different beast. Um, you've got quarterback. You've got running back. Um You've got, I know the Rams have some receivers who are banged up, um, but still you got Matt Stafford throwing the ball, Daryl Henderson running the ball strong. And then, oh, by the way, you got an all-star squad on defense. So uh, feasting on a Jaguars team that just cannot score 30 points. I mean, they've scored 30 points twice in their last 43 games. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Meanwhile, the Rams are averaging 27.2, close to 30 points a game. Um, and Jacksonville just cannot find the end zone. I don't think they're going to have a breakout game against this Rams team. I think um, it's going to be a long Sunday. Um, I just hope Jalen Ramsey doesn't uh, have a couple picks and, and return it for touchdowns. Yeah, if, if they give Trevor any advice, please avoid Jalen Ramsey. Thank you. Uh, and find a way. I don't know how they're going to block Aaron Donald, but good luck. Just run for your life. Um <laughs> It's, it's going to be, it's very likely going to be a long Sunday. Uh, th this Rams game is not going to go well. I just don't foresee Matthew Stafford has been very good this season at times. And I know the stats have been floating around that he typically beats teams that are under 500. Well, guess what? The Jaguars are under 500. So this very under 500 be a pretty good week for him. You know um, we'll see. And then keep in mind, uh, Shaquille Griffin, not making the trip to LA. So that means Tyson Campbell is your, cornerback one for the second week in a row he, he's played well in the, the past couple of weeks since he came back from that injury so I mean he's actually been one of the bright spots on the team is it looks like you, they, the Jaguars coaching staff was right about his development and you know I know a lot of fans were worried and shaken of his confidence early on but it looks like the light's coming on for this kid so he may be a cornerback one for this team in the future yeah and that's good to see because I mean, through about seven, eight games, he looked um, like a huge reach. I mean, we beat him to death over the head. Uh, 
times on our podcast because he just couldn't turn around, terrible reading the ball, couldn't play any kind of ball. Um, he always had a front row seat for a great big play um, because he was giving them up. He just could not play the ball. But, you know, Urban, in, in defense of Urban, he has been talking Tyson Campbell up for weeks. We finally saw that high draft pick kind of performance last week. I mean, he had an excellent game. And he's been playing well in little sl- little slivers and um, drips and drabs. But, man, last week was putting it all together. Uh, it kind of reminded me of C.J. Henderson's week one game in 2019 where – Oh, man, don't compare him to right. – Everything <laughs> went right. Um, but I, I think Danito's pointing up on, on Tyson, obviously. Um, I know he's a little bit banged up going into this game, so hopefully he is – um, healthy for this one and uh, can can build off of last week's performance. I know naturally it's going to be comparisons um, to Jalen Ramsey, what Jacksonville gave up to get Jalen. I mean, he, they gave up Jalen and what they got in return turned out to be Travis Etienne and, uh, you know, Caleb on Chasen. And I think the jury is still out on, on that. I mean, the Rams obviously received the better end of that trade at the time. Every Jacksonville was loving it and, uh, we got rid of a malcontent for uh, two first-round draft picks. It's amazing. We won this trade. But those first-round draft picks eventually become players, and those players, uh, ETN and Chason, are still, um, I think, highly questionable. I don't think Jacksonville won that trade in hindsight at all. No, I think we were a little heavy on tra- on Tyson early on because cornerback's one of those positions that always takes a, a little while to really adjust to the NFL level. Um, but you know, it's interesting the way the Rams have built their roster because while everyone else says, you know, you got to build through the draft and draft well, and this, that, and the other, the Rams have gone the complete opposite, slinging draft picks left and right, trading them for veteran players. And it's worked. Uh, so, I mean, I guess there, there's something to be looked at at least to say, you know, is this a, you know, an alternative option? Is it worth trading and punting on some of those draft picks to get these veteran players and put them in a situation where they can, can be successful when teams are ready to move on from them. Um, maybe in spots when you, you know, you can draft well in the late rounds that works, but so far, I mean, it's working for the Rams. Maybe it's something to look at in the future. Cause clearly the Jaguars have done nothing with their first round picks over like the past decade. So <laughs> yeah, it's almost, it's, it's akin to almost a baseball strategy and it's almost like, um, the Rams have just thrown said what whatever I mean who cares about draft capital at some point you're gonna catch up to them and yeah. you can't I mean this is this is not a a strategy for team building long term I think this is uh, the window is cracked open right now and eventually these guys are gonna age their contracts are gonna become too bloated you're gonna have to do some uh, management and you know dissecting we saw this with the Jaguars and um, during their heyday runs in, in like 99 when they signed all this, I mean, 97, I mean, when you get Carnell Lake and Leon Searcy and all these guys that you bring in in free agency and you have that, the windows cracked open for one run and, oh, by the way, the Titans beach in the AFC championship game, all come due. And then you're jettisoning guys like Tony Baselli and uh, getting rid of Carnell Lake. And, you know, you're, it eventually catches up to you when you don't invest and you have all these guys in high price contracts the bottom will fall out. But uh, for right now, the Rams are, are still able to, to do that. And again, it's like that baseball. It's like the dumping guys at the trade deadline and a contender loads up on them mm-hmm. and prospects and it, your time is now. And the Rams have certainly shown their time is now for about the, the last three or four years. So uh, we'll be interesting to see how long they can keep that uh, process going 
Uh, has not paid off with the Super Bowl yet, but man, you keep just adding all-stars to this group and you're like, how can you afford all these guys? How can you have a roster that's with this many big names and uh, in this day and age? Yeah, there, there are some general managers out there that have some creative contract language. And I don't know how these some of these agents allow their guys to sign some of these contracts, but I mean, I guess it just makes you feel good and you look at the number and you're like, yeah, I could get paid this. Knowing good and the, the agent and the general manager got to be looking at that saying, you're never going to make that number. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, all right. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of creative contracts out there. So we'll see how it works. All right. I guess we've reached the point where uh, we'll go ahead and pick this week's game. Um, somehow, I don't expect either one of us to pick a W here. But w- what you thinking? <laughs> I, I'm going to say 34, uh, 34 to 13 Rams. 34 to 13 yeah I'm right there I'm, I'm, I'm in that ballpark with you I'm thinking yeah 30 to 12 something like that yeah a bunch of field goals for the Jaguars how, how about a harder question to wrap this up since we knew this one was going to be easy Thibodeau or Hutchinson would you would you go go with which defensive end if you if you had your choice right now would you Michigan or Oregon I think I think the Michigan Michigan guy Hutchinson um Irvin's a Big Ten guy, and I, I think that's where they lean. He's had success. He's coached the Joey and Nick Bosa's, and um, so I think that's that's where they head. They're not going to be picking one. I think Thibodeau goes one. Um, they could get into that number two range. Um, do you go defensive end, defensive tackle at that point, or do you trade back and try to hope something uh, materializes? I don't, I don't know, but I think if you stay put, you're at number two. I think you go Hutchinson. Yeah, if you're at number two, I'm with you. Hutchinson's the guy. If you you fall to that number three pick, oh man, do we start having having to have all kinds of tough discussions? Because I mean, after those two guys, you're like Evan Neal, who's a left tackle, and then we got to have the discussion of well, Walker Little is you, you drafted him last year. What do you do? Yeah, we're not ready to get there yet. I'm with you on Hutchinson. All right, that'll do it for this week's News for Jags podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll check in with you after the Rams game next week.